You know, I had a chance to uh, kill Jenna Slint. I had a chance to kill Grandmeister Pycel, and I didn't do it. But uh, this guy, Simon Silvertongue, yeah, you know what? I'm going to kill him. Well, Kate, I, I want to start off today's show by wishing you a very happy birthday. Thank you. Happy birthday, Thank Kate. Thanks, guys. I'm sure if Eric were here, which he's not, he's not. he would be very excited. He would say, happy name day, Kate. Yeah, probably. He would. That's probably. exactly what Eric sounds like. <laughs> sounds Welcome sort of to like Game of Bones, everyone listening. Rough Santa Claus. Rough Santa Claus will be here with us in a matter of days. It nears Christmas. We're glad that you tuned into our podcast. Do you know, I think this might be the only two chapter combinations that have, like, some, a serious theme about bears mm. like one this, this is this is like a fake tie together i'm not this is not an actual like promo thing i'm cutting now here, is this like, the, the the are you tying the right chapters together here oh Kate? god all right <laughs> all right listeners full this disclosure is, this is what happened five chapters from now there's another jamie Tyrion combo <laughs> yes and that's the one i read so if I make references to things that you don't remember from these chapters, it's because I read the other Jamie Tyrion combo. Who does that? Who does that? I, I had a good laugh. We were we were getting our recordings done for our $10 Patreon level, uh, which some of you are on, some of you may not know about yet. And uh, she was like, hey, I think I recorded the wrong ones. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> We've since uh, no, corrected I believe, the issue. I believe yeah. I said, somebody please kill me. That's what it was. And yeah. also, fuck my life. That too. Th- this could all have been resolved if George R. R. Martin would have just used numbers like everybody else. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Even like knowing, I was just like, what are the odds? It's like if you, isn't there some fact about a deck of cards that if you like lay out all 52 cards in a random order, it's like one in three a trillion chance that you'll lay it out in the same order as has ever been laid out before. I don't know. I don't know. It's it's some crazy astronomical number. But I I just figured, like it's got to be something like that when it comes to these chapters. How many Jamie Tyrion combinations are gonna are there gonna be in the middle of a given book? Well, mm. as it turns out, two, and I read the wrong one. Everybody, <laughs> even earlier when we were recording our pre-show banter, Zach was like, "Can somebody sum- summarize what happened in the Tyrion chapter?" And I was like, "Sure," <laughs> and I gave him a, ser- a summary like of the long. wrong. Yeah, yeah. No, I went on for a while. Of the wrong Tyrion chapter. I just can't get away from it. But it was a nice teaser, for us at least, to know that we'll be introduced to uh, a certain character. Well, yeah, sorry. I can't say that. Yeah, you can. You just did. He's in the show. Tell your father I'm here. You've seen him before. The great thing about uh, the line that I just said, I think, was that um, we were doing uh, our our Google Hangout, right, with our our good old friends. The small council. The small council. Yes, who comprise the the small council. And... um, you guys kind of freaked out a bit because I did it right in front of you. I you're freaked not, out. You, you're, you're just used to hearing the voice over the uh, interwebs, and uh, I actually said it just like I'm talking right now. And I guess that can kind of be freaky a little bit. That was a lot of fun. I completely. Oh, it was so much fun. Yeah, that was uh, it was a blast to get to hang out with you guys that that hopped in on that and. We look forward to doing that again. Yeah. It, it was also strange just for us in general just to be on video chat while we were talking because we don't we don't normally do that. We're not doing it right now. No, we're not. And I have never seen your faces move with your mouths and 
with your voices coming out. So it was a little unnerving for me. I think it's uh, cool to be able to do that with people who listen to the show. It's just another way to interact and just had a lot of fun doing it. Absolutely. So where are we at right now? I'm thinking in the course of 2014, we're almost to a close. I know. Christmas is nearing, which means that most likely next week we're going to have a beautifully thematic pre-Christmas episode challenging you guys to have good times that I'm sure you're already going to have at Christmas. I thought you were saying we were going to get a new trailer. Hey, Zach, I heard hey, that you, hey bud, I heard that you were the editor of a Game of Thrones related masterpiece book please explain thank you thank you kate um for the, for that and uh, thank you thank you micah as well for not coming to my rescue greatly... put you on the spot well, look i, I tried to put you on a spot with the trailer and then that didn't go anywhere so kate just figured hell i'm gonna go with a book and see if that this works. is something i i feel like you've been like nebulously mentioning to us in text every once in a while, but like we don't know a whole lot about it. Here, let me Google and learn some stuff about it. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I'm very excited. And uh, it's very fun to finally be able to talk about this, especially uh, with the people listening at home. You guys, it's been a a very fun process being involved with the Game of Thrones compendium, which if you don't know what that is, you can just go to what I just said dot com. Uh, or Google it, or look for um, like a news article on Watchers on the Wall about it. They uh, do a pretty good job of breaking it down. But there's also a really large photograph of my face on that page. Yeah. That all right. That, you can be captured by photography. It only happened once, so maybe don't go to that article. Maybe just go right to the website. <laughs> but um, myself and seven other grossly over talented people than myself, and uh, over accomplished people than myself, are lucky enough to be involved with this project by HBO and the Game of Thrones series. So this is it's cool. really fun. Sorry. So this is a book where people can submit their own works related to Game of Thrones and you guys will assemble them into some kind of beautiful book and then those people will, will all get a copy of the book. Mm-hmm. What's really fun is it's not limited to the physical space, which is something that I've, I've, I'm really proud of that it's crossing into 2015 and there's there's so many new ways to to handle sourcing content and just so many new ways to handle content in general and when it is involved with something that i'm so passionate about which is the series obviously i mean we're talking about it right now on this podcast that we do together it's so cool more things will happen this week that i can't specifically drop here on the Mm. show this is cool so submissions are going to open when this airs it'll probably be like 12 hours from now it'll be on thursday on thursday yeah Mm -hmm. there's so much to talk about and we've got two really great chapters to dig into tonight so if you guys are interested you can do a few clicks and uh, i'm sure that we'll be mentioning it as the weeks go on this is something that's going to be extending deep into march of next year it's a long project and i am honored and grateful to be a part of it very very proud it's going to be something that i think that our podcast and the community in general can be really proud of, and I'm going to do my best to destroy it with an axe. Yeah, <laughs> we're super, we're super proud of you. But fuck that. Let's talk about Jamie. Yeah, let's just please. <laughs> this is something that I uh, am really excited to get to because finally uh, we have the resolution of whatever happened when he felt this great pain in his hand. And uh, I knew it was going to happen, but yeah, what a great way to start the chapter, George R. R. Martin. It just says. His hand burned. But his hand isn't there. All through this chapter, he's feeling the phantom pain of his uh, forcefully removed hand. And it's like the worst pain he's ever felt. 
He even talks mm-hmm. about having gone through. He's like, well, I've I've received wounds before. It's not like he's he's been like living his life on a feather pillow or anything. But this is by far and away the worst pain he's ever experienced. And I can't say I've I've had any kind of analogous experience to this. I've never lost. I cut off the end of a finger once by accident, yeah. but I've never lost any kind of like. I've never even had any kind of significant bone breakage or anything. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. It's nice being me. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. How about you guys? They almost cut my leg off once. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't my do that. My parents wouldn't let them. They were like, "No." So for a while there, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, "It would have been kind of cool to have one of those cheetah legs." But now that it's been a few years since, I feel a lot better about the <laughs> decision. Micah, any significant injury? No, thankfully. Nice. You and so. me. Living life the soft way. Micah, one of these days, you're going to be on the court balling, all right? And you're gonna, yeah, I know. I you're going to come down off of a block shot, and you know I don't want to <laughs> put you in the wrong space. Twist mentally. an ankle. Dude, it's happened to me. I landed on someone's foot when I was trying to block their shot and tore a ligament in my ankle. It's Ooh, yikes. It's not quite this. Yeah, it's, uh, as you mentioned, you know, it's the resolution to a couple of chapters ago where you know if you're reading this book for the first time, you really don't know what has happened to Jamie, right? He just screams at the end of the last chapter. So you're very much uncertain. Is he dead? I I think a lot of readers of George R. R. Martin have become accustomed to flipping pages because I know I have in certain situations. Mm -hmm. uh, And, you know, George R. R. Martin is definitely not somebody who affords readers the luxury of just killing a character or two at the end of a book, right? It it can happen at any moment, mm-hmm. um, unbeknownst to you. And so uh, the way that he has written the, the end to the last Jamie chapter is very cryptic. And he does it for others throughout the course of the series, and it le- leaves you to wonder. And um, I'm not somebody who has that kind of patience where I can read through, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how many chapters it's been, but it's been a few. Uh, and, and then, you know, just kind of wonder – if uh, Jamie's gonna show up uh, a little bit uh, down the line, so yeah, it's it's a maiming of sorts for for Jamie. It's it's a sense of pride. Kate, you touched on it a little bit, and you know he even notes in this chapter how um, you know they took away his fighting hand, and that's the the only hand he really knew how to do anything <laughs> worthwhile with. Yeah, <laughs> Which so wait, is... you got to teach yourself to write with both hands, everybody. You <laughs> never know. I liked how. Um, in his internal monologue, he compares himself to Tyrion. I like that too. Although Same. it did take, it's taken him God knows how many decades to have any sympathy for him. I guess he's always he's always been like kind to Tyrion, and even in in, uh, in some anecdotes has like defended Tyrion even as a child. Um, so I think he's always had sympathy for Tyrion, but it's just now that he's learning what it's like to be laughed at. Mm-hmm. I imagine Jamie has participated in Tyrion's torture once or twice, like with, with Cersei there to like egg him on. Um, yeah. So, but it's, it's nice. It's nice for, I know, I don't want to think about that, but it's nice for, for Jamie to be able to feel some empathy for Tyrion right now. That reminds me so much of, in this chapter when, he was lying down on his back and staring at the sky at night because Brienne and he have have taken to because what's happening when when they're getting traveled by these brave companions sometimes they're 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 putting them facing toward the same direction when they're put on the same horse in the saddle but sometimes they're pushing them together and having them sit face to face in the same saddle and they're laughing and they're calling them the lovers and they're like oh the lovers blah 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 and so they've taken to sleeping during the day and lying awake at night and uh he was having a particularly quiet evening 
when Brienne was like, hey, what are you doing? And he was like, I'm dying. And uh, she was like, you're a craven. And that in that moment, he, he realized, and this is one of the great things about these Jamie chapters that's so awesome in this book. He he basically comes to a self-realization that, man, I've never been called a craven before. Like, I've been called a lot of really bad things. I've been called a liar. I've been called all these things. But like you said, he's never really been made fun of in this way. Mm-hmm. He's been he's been spoken with with distaste, like oh, this guy's an ass. But there was there's always a sort of inherent fear and respect with that kind of an insult. But to call Definitely. someone a craven or to laugh at someone, um, there is a bit of a uh, a, a bit of a, a malice that's different, and it doesn't have the same amount of respect. He does. He spends the first until she kind of throws that cold water in his face, so to speak. He lives the first part of this chapter feeling pretty sorry for himself. Um, and it's it's Brienne who almost certainly will be the victim of rape at the hands of these terrible people. Brienne is the one who not only has to find strength for herself, but also for Jamie. And I think that his growing, budding, begrudging respect for her goes up an enormous amount when he realizes he's like, yeah, she's she's right. I got to I got to just like buck up, take the heat, live through this. Not die of infection, not die of starvation, mm-hmm. and then fuck some dudes up after I get my new golden hand. Yeah, she goes, live, fight, take revenge. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, that's her she, plan, she's right. right? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what she's, there's later when he, the the three brave companions come to the inevitable situation where they're going to rape Brienne, which they cl- luckily do not. We don't have to put up with that. But he's he has this this sense of protection for her. And the only thing that he can offer her is to urge her to go away mentally from the whole situation. And she's like, no, they're not going to get any pleasure from this. Like, I'm not going to, I refuse to give them anything that they want. So she's going to, she's going to go out fighting. Like they're, they're not going to get her without a fight, which I, I really, I appreciate. It's a, it's a terrible thing, but I, I, I like that about her. She's just like, I refuse to vacate um, that's, this is, this is not, this is not what I came to do. This is not how I am. I'm going to fight because I'm Brienne of Tarth and that's what I do. It would be three of the worst, Shagwell, Rorge, and then the fat dog Racky, who we learn is named Zolo. Zolo, like a clown. Mm-hmm. Like Zoro, but not really. Also, it's Jamie who saves her from the rape when he yells that, uh, they should care whether she screams because Sapphire! she's got sapphires, sapphires. And then Vargo like, whoa. Nobody's going to steal my sapphires. And that's good. Thank you. Thanks. It is very good. Thank you. Nice. Thank you. Say sapphires again. I just wanted to hear you say sapphires. It. Okay. <laughs> it's like a, a daffy duck kind of thing. Um, but anyway, so they do not rape Brienne, and Jamie saves her by shouting the word sapphires, and she's like, "Why did you save me?" He's like, "Well, I owed you. You know, Lannister pays his debts. Remember that whole thing? We say that a lot. It's kind of like our unofficial house words." And she's like, oh, yeah, no, cool, but cool, thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And so even in this terrible situation, they're they're looking out for each other and they're forming this bond. And, oh, God, I just – I always think of the the scene in the show when – this is this is far – from much further along in the books, but that scene where Jamie gives Brienne Oathkeeper – Mm-hmm. And and like that moment that they have, this very like special moment. They don't say anything about it. They just like exchange this look, and like I feel like this is this is the chapter where they're building that relationship. And certainly, yeah, getting there. Mm-hmm. It it definitely starts here. And um, Jamie, uh, you know, I just go back to 
you know, how he's really I don't I don't know that his character begins to fully change in this chapter, but I think it it starts on the road because he starts to realize certain things about himself. We talked a little bit about the internal monologue, but also how he views himself as just being this swordsman, right? He he asks himself the question, was that all I was, a sword hand? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and the next paragraph, something got brought up that I thought I just make note of. Uh, I don't know that we can figure out too much of it, but I just, in a second reading, just happened across this, and I wondered what Kate thought of it. It says, uh, the wench had the right of it. He could not die. Cersei was waiting for him. She would have need of him and Tyrion, his little brother, who loved him for a lie. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, George, you sneaky bastard. Mm. So what's your interpretation? I don't think I can say my interpretation. I don't think it was fully fleshed out in the show. I see. Um, at, at the end of the season, which I think, um, you know, obviously we'll get to later on in this book. Um, but I think Kate and those who have read the books will know what I mean by that. Um, that's my interpretation of it. I don't know what um, yours was. I think just at surface level, and I, I'm guessing that this is incorrect, but... Well, it could have a double meaning. Right. Well, I think that that's, that's probably the case then, because I think it goes very well with him questioning his own self-worth and, and saying, uh, was that all that I am? Being, yeah, absolutely. Being his sword hand, because I feel like for all that Jamie Lannister has in his life, he sure is down in the dumps about losing a hand when we are in a story of people just getting killed, you know, let alone let alone not being fed. Just so many so many horrible and terrible things are happening to those around him and he has lived a privileged life, so he's although he is battle hardened, he's he's really not used to this level of, of torment and disrespect. So I understand uh, theoretically what's going on, but I feel like Brienne did a really good job of kinda giving him a kick in the ribs and, and reminding him that life is still there, whether or not he has that hand, that he's still the same person and it's gonna be an obstacle that he has to overcome. So I feel like possibly in that case, it's sort of saying a lot of the love and respect that came from Tyrion to Jamie was due to the fact that he was kind of considered this sharp, brave, swordsman, talented person, which now um, is not true. I don't know. It's definitely a great point, though, Zach. I think that, um, you know, talking about his self-worth, maybe he feels that uh, he was a little bit more I don't know, boastful than, than he than he should have been. I, I'm not sure, but... I just look throughout this chapter and you know I think about other captives that we've seen in this series and just sort of the differentiation in treatment like as you read through this chapter Jamie's treated like absolute shit oh, like definitely. he's the son of Tywin Lannister the hand of the king right right he's the uncle slash dad <laughs> of of the king <laughs> right. of Westeros and he's being basically dragged through the mud and horse shit he's drinking horse piss when you know, these brave companions play a trick on him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just complete, his hair is matted with dirt and shit. You know, his nostrils are clogged up with it. He looks a, a freaking mess and his hand is dangling around his neck as some kind of jape at him. You know, for, for I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy that somebody who's this high up and we can go back to when he was captive of the Starks, but he wasn't treated nearly this bad. I mean, he probably was in some pretty serious conditions, but I mean, the brave companions, and and we see it when he gets delivered to Roose Bolton. Mm-hmm. Like, 
even Ruth Bolton for his you're talking about the guy who likes flaying <laughs> the skin people. off yeah. other people yeah. is appalled at the way that they've treated Jamie Lannister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I love the introduction to to meeting Ruth Bolton as well because I, I felt like we got a nice callback to the mirror read tale of the attorney at the great castle of old Black Heron. Remember there was a mention of someone being donned with a cloak and and being turned into one of the king's guard. Uh, that was uh that was Jamie's recollection here. That was him. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was yeah. g- great that he he noticed that this the very spot where he knelt where all of this gallantry was taking place, you know, King Eris and oh, this is the youngest king's guardman in history. Uh a privy had been dug. So I just thought Good job, George. Way to way to show the juxtaposition of history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he's going to this place which should have hold held, I should say, like some high regard for him, right? Because this is where he became a member of the King's Guard and yet like now he's coming back, however many years later, he's a captive, he's missing a hand, mm-hmm. he's been treated like shit, and he's going to be who knows what Bruce Bolton's gonna do to him. I mean, there's no guarantees in this book. We should know that by now. He's got those Stark banners up. That's an ominous sign for Jamie, which is so strange for us. You know, like, oh, Stark Manners, and we're reading from Jamie's perspective. Should we be bothered? But I, I think Bruce mm-hmm. makes it really clear, and, and some of his men too, that they are they're turning their allegiance pretty rapidly. And Bruce is so concerned about the fact that Jamie had his hand cut off and that Brienne was almost raped. And, and the fact that they have the Stark Banners, Brienne tries to call upon that, and one of the men's like spits. At, at her feet and it was like yeah, yeah. Fuck, the, fuck the Starks they betrayed us name dropping the Stark manners in front of three brothers Frey at this point and yeah. Rob's uh, uh, arrangement with the lady situation right. I, I think that was a bad idea yeah and because we know what Roose Bolton has up his sleeve um, that, that will be coming later in this book I think it's clear that like he's he's turning his allegiance pretty pretty rapidly to the side of the Lannisters and so, of course, he wouldn't want Jamie to come to him maimed because that makes him look pretty bad. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that this is this this puts had they come maybe a week earlier, two weeks earlier before before Rob had married Jane, however much time has passed. Who knows? Maybe Roos would have just flayed him and sent the skin to Tywin or something. But the winds are changing for the Boltons. This puts us in an interesting position because. So many of you listening, all of you listening, most likely, 100%, obviously know of the events in the Red Wedding. So going back to, you know, seeing an interaction between the Roose Bolton and a high-ranking Lannister is interesting because we can kind of see where you're exactly right, Kate. There's obviously some dissent, be it as it with phrase, and we understand that with these especially higher-ranking phrase that they would have some discord toward the Starks. So we get it, and it, and it makes sense to us. But he did such a good job, and I say he, I'm talking about Uncle Ray, did such a great job of the conversationing with Roose Bolton, not quite coming out and and showing where he stands on the issue. Mm-hmm. When you're first reading this and you don't know what's going to happen, which is unfortunately not the kind of situation that you have found yourself in, because um, you we've seen the show, but you have no idea. You have no idea. You know that Roose Bolton is a weirdo. And you can't quite pin down his loyalties, at least not yet. And so this this chapter is very nerve-wracking. Jamie just lost a hand, and the guy who cut it off is really excited to bring him to, to Roose Bolton. So God knows what Roose Bolton's about to do to him. And Roose Bolton is super cool. 
I mean, yeah. as cool as a Bolton could be, but he's just like, hey, not cool. Do not cut off this guy's hand, Fargo Hope. <laughs> you, you haven't won this castle yet. I haven't rode away just yet. Yeah. Again, like the sleight of hand with Brienne. Obviously, looking back, I, I see it as that, but maybe going forward for the first time and not having knowledge of the Red Wedding, this is just, you You take kind of his standoffishness toward the matters, and, and again, the, the stuff of the frame men, not as foreshadowing, you just take it as, you know, Roos is kind of a, a strict guy, and this is just the kind of guy he is. So when Brienne speaks up and she starts speaking of her loyalties and the earshot of Roos, less toward the Frey guys, he's like, you know, get her out of her bonds. Like, we need to, I'm sorry, my lady, uh, she's like the tattling on everyone that was in the brave companion. She's like, they took my armor, they took my sword. He's like, you're not going to need it. You're under my protection, but he doesn't come right out and say like, Oh, how's lady Catelyn? What was it like when you guys were hanging out last? What oath did you swear to her? There was nothing along those lines. It was very calculated and cold. And he used as few of words as he had to use to get all of the points across. And I just thought it was a great way to start to build up the situation because it's not obviously going to happen. And the only way that you can really pick up on all of these clues is if you have future information. That's why it's always cool to go back and read it again because you're able to pick up on things that otherwise just they're they're passing words. Like just like even if you're you know five books in, there are things that won't make sense to you until you've read the whole series and go back and and take another gander at it. So what I find cool about this is just you don't know what to make of Roose Bolton, right? Because he has to do what's in his own best interest first and foremost. And, you know, whether he's pledged to the Starks or not, either way, it's in his best interest for Jamie to be healthy, right? Because you don't want him. First of all, the fact that he's lost a hand is going to cause some problems. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That's that's evident. I think no matter which side he's on, the fact that exactly. he's been named is not a good thing. Right, because if you're, let's say, Rob Stark or Catelyn Stark, you're not going to be happy that Jamie um, has suffered this injury because who knows what Tywin's retaliation could be. He could cut off Sansa's hand. He could cut off Arya's hand, assuming Arya's still there. Mm-hmm. Neither of them know. And then from a Lannister perspective, uh, certainly Tywin is not going to be happy that his son's hand was chopped off. Uh, so, uh, you know, Roos is kind of between a rock and a hard place here and, um, you know, is going to have to try and figure out how he gets himself out of it in the best way possible. And sending Jamie with a nearby maester, again, that's not a, that's not a giveaway that he's going to be on the side of the Lannisters. That's just something that a lord in his position would need to do. It's good housekeeping. So again, sending him to Kyburn, someone that we've met in the show that, um, is very interesting in the book as well that we've learned in this chapter. It's not out of the ordinary, completely normal. Yeah, and it's and it's an introduction, um, really, to Kyburn and the fact that uh, he's had some pretty odd practices. Um, you know, the fact that he would know how to tend to something like this uh, without having to remove an entire arm. Right there's that whole conversation uh, between Jamie and and Kyburn about how. Yeah, this could fester, but Jamie really doesn't want to let it go. Yeah, we'll have to take it above the arm. He's like, listen, you bastard. If you take any (laughs) a piece of flesh more than you need, you're going to take off my other arm because I'm going to use it to strangle you to death when you're finished. Mm -hmm. Jamie even won't fall asleep, right? Or or take an anesthetic, right? Because he's afraid. He's afraid that if he does and he, you know, kind of crashes for a couple of hours, he's going to wake up and realize that Kyburn removed his arm anyway. That was sharp. 
I was kind of impressed. I was like, you know, that is a, a really great point because mm-hmm. even if he gave the guy the terms, when when you're out, when you when you've sucked down enough of that milk of the poppy, buddy, I don't know, you can't really fight back with a guy with a needle and thread. It's funny because this is the same Kyburn that will come up later, and I I liked Jamie's description. He's like, he just seems like a fatherly, soft spoken man with warm brown eyes, and he gets up to some like dire dire stuff later. And like, I never thought of him as being like this kind hearted older man. That's it's funny. It reminds me of like how how Roose Bolton is really soft spoken. You know, he's got unnerving eyes, but he never never raises his voice or threatens people necessarily. He just like speaks very softly. And he's just somehow very frightening. I feel like Kyburn's kind of uh, the same. Like he asks why a, a maester's <laughs> riding with the brave the brave companions. Yeah, and all Kyburn says is. This yeah. it'll took my chain. Like he's yeah. the it, that's all he wants to say. Mm-hmm. And that's like that's kind of a big deal. The it'll takes Ominous. your chain for some pretty for pretty dark stuff. So yeah, yeah, like it's it's cool. I feel like this the Citadel took my chain. I would I would tempt my fate in Bravos or you know some, somewhere <laughs> interesting, somewhere a little bit more exotic than yeah. I'll just ride with Vargo Hote and his friends. Yeah, although uh, there's well, no, no are shortage you surprised, of work. Though? Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. No shortage of work. You have to think what these <laughs> nut jobs true. are up to yeah. on a regular basis. I guess you basis. have to know yeah. your market. Yeah, he's like, yeah. how do you know how to do this? So he's like, eh, you know, I travel with these guys, so I'm pretty good at... at yeah, a lot of stumps in my life. Lots of yeah. stumps, yeah. I also like the last few lines of this is like, Kyburn tells Jamie that he's going to leech the cut over his eye to get the bad blood. And Jamie's like, great. And Kyburn's like, Roose Bolton, Lord Bolton loves his leeches. And Jamie's like, yeah, I bet he does. Yep. Bet he does. That's funny. Weirdo. Oh. <laughs> so there were actually two other passages from this chapter I wanted to get your thoughts on. The first one was you know, during the lead up to what Jamie believes could be uh Brienne getting raped. And uh, you know, he, he gives her advice. You know, he's mm-hmm. well, I mean, as much as you can give somebody advice in that situation when he says let them do it and go away inside. That was what he'd done when the Starks had died before him. Uh, Lord Rickard cooking in his armor while his son Brandon strangled himself trying to save him. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it was a little bit of a throwback um, you know, to the Mad King and what he did right. uh, to Lord Rickard and, and to Brandon Stark. And I, again, it's it's one of those character moments for Jamie where – you start to realize that, you know, yeah, that, that Jamie is Jamie, but there's also this, there's this different side to him, and and you have to realize how young he was when this took place. But he's basically tell, he's basically comparing Brienne being raped to him having to be witness to this type of a situation, which I guess in a way is a form of of being mentally raped. You know, to have to watch two people, whether he liked them or not. One is burning in his armor and the other is being strangled to death. And, you know, it goes to show that, you know, Jamie may not be as bad of a person as, as maybe early on in the series he was made out to be. I feel like his point was being subjected to something that's horrible that mm-hmm. you don't want to be subjected to. So you withdraw within yourself. Right. And not, and not to be cliche, but I think this is a really great mechanic of, of this chapter and something that George has done with Jamie Lannister's character uh, to, to prove a point to the masses, which is don't judge a book by its cover. There's so much more 
inside, especially with someone uh, that doesn't quite reveal much of his feelings. Like, I don't think Jamie necessarily has a, a Facebook wall that he can write super long uh, posts about how he feels about the things that happens in his life. So a lot of it's guesswork and a lot of the guesswork uh, from someone like him that is in the public eye is is magnified than other people. And his reputation precedes him. And uh, there's lots of different strictures that are built around uh, what people think he feels versus what, especially in this case, he actually felt. No, I think that's a that's a great point, uh, Kate. I mean, it's it's all about just the way people deal with varying degrees of trauma. I don't know that I would compare Jamie watching men being killed um, as horribly as as they were killed to Brienne no. actually experiencing no. a gang rape. But um, I think that. Jamie's Jamie's advice comes from the only place it can come. Like he's he's probably never been raped by a bunch of horrible criminals. Um, so he's he's associating with her. He's attempting to empathize with her situation and give her the advice that helped him in a situation that was difficult for him, um, which mm-hmm. is the best Jamie can do. Like uh, that's that is him giving as much of a shit as Jamie Lannister can give. And that is saying quite a bit for his respect for Brienne and his care for her well-being, the fact that he's he's trying to care for her in the very, very, very limited way that he can. He can't touch her. He can't defend her. He can't defend himself. All he can use is his words to to try to give her advice on on how to come out of this in what he feels is the least damaging way. And in that in that sense, it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Not bad, Jamie. And then the one other thing that I wanted to bring up was um, when he says, uh, again, this was internal monologue, I cannot die while Cersei lives. We will die together as we were born together. I hope that comes true. I think it's really creepy. <laughs> like it's uh, even if like they die, they die together when they're like 80 or whatever. Who knows? But um, it's a bit I, of foreshadowing. I it's, mm-hmm. it is. It's definitely like a. it's something that we should pay attention to because it's the kind of thing George R. R. Martin will say. And like it's like heavily foreboding, and then four books from now, it'll happen. I I'd have to say that that's a pronouncement of love right there. I know he's inside of his own head. He's not saying anything to impress anybody. Like he he's he's not ashamed that his <laughs> that his twin sister is his lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's not ashamed that he's in love with her at all. He's he's proud of it in his own mind because he he thinks so much of her. And uh, again, just. <laughs> saying that they're going to die together it's it's just it's beautiful <laughs> although yeah. i mean it's, i just it's know wrong. there's been a lot of theories about that um the two of them in particular uh so to the point that was raised about you know, paying attention to those nuggets for lack of a better term that mm-hmm. that george uh includes you know definitely could be uh hinting at something in the future so those of you playing at home that have your theories uh consider your your theory muscles tickled or massaged just think mm-hmm. massage yeah think about it see if when micah says it like that you just got an ear massage <laughs> you're welcome people this is a free show yep. it's a free fucking show <laughs> kate this is your favorite chapter <laughs> of the entire series oh i've tried i've tried to read it it like it it will not allow itself to be read every time i try Where's to read Oberyn? it is like he a, here god damn tell it. your father i'm here <laughs> Not yet. In about don't, two weeks. Don't tell your father. Kate spent three times the the amount of reading oh my God. Uh, on, on this chapter so than stupid. it would take to read it. 
So I feel like you actually know more about this chapter than we do. Well, I certainly know more about the surrounding chapters. The future. <laughs> yeah. You hold the future. So this is a, this is a chapter. Let me see if I can figure out what this chapter is about. It is a chapter. This yes. is a chapter. This is a Tyrion chapter. He's mm, assessing the damage of the Battle of Blackwater now that he's up and about. He's riding around and King's Landing's a big old mess. And he is, <laughs> he's, he's the master of coins. So he's super excited about that. He is reflecting on the fact that even though he's been married to Sansa for some time, they still have not consummated their marriage and doesn't he doesn't go to bed naked or whatever. Like he's Sansa's just like keeping him very much at arm's length and it's very frustrating. But he's getting his jollies with Shay and he Shay doesn't seem to be very upset that he's married now. Shay is just kind of like whatever. Uh, you you can you yeah, can get her knew. pregnant or whatever. But and you got to like, I heard it. You got to come. Yeah, yeah. Did it remind you of that that scene from Harry Potter? It was like Dean told Seamus that Parvati. You know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm trying to think about what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like when they're playing the uh, like Ron's mad at Harry uh-huh. and they they're trying to tell him about the dragons mm-hmm. and it's like a whole like. What what do they call that when it Telephone goes game. from like yeah yeah basically that's what it was like when Shay was telling Tyrion how she found out about Sansa yeah it was like well uh, Sir Kevin blah 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 and then up yeah. the stairs we overheard and then this guy told me and then I was outside with a gardener we were picking fig leaves <laughs> together and then we both is that what you call it yeah when mm-hmm. Lena Lena was walking by so mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so she she's learned about it and yeah she was like you'll give her a big belly and come home to me which yeah. Obviously, it's different from Shoshé. <laughs> Shoshé. Shoshé was, was, Shoshana. No, Shoshé was, uh, 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 we have, I mean, everyone listening knows. So, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to tell you. It was definitely different. Yeah. Kate, I, I loved your, I loved your breakdown of this chapter. Um, I feel like this should be something other we do all of the time. I feel like if we should just, one of us should just not read it and we should just try to guess at what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tyrion's in this chapter, probably Braun. He probably rubs at the scar Keep on going. his nose. Sir Braun um, of Blackwater. Yes, yeah. he does. Um, let's see. He goes to, he goes to a wine sink where S- Sim- Simon, Simon mm-hmm. the Silvertongue, mm-hmm. uh, he is, he is going to pay off Simon and tell him, Hey, don't sing that. Don't sing any songs about, you know, stuff that you shouldn't know about. That you're aware of. Yeah, yeah. it's just like he's ready to buy him off. And mm-hmm. Simon is a total idiot. And uh, so Tyrion tells Bronn, is like, just kill him. Like, he's got, a, he's got a really creative way of killing him. But he's like, yeah, this we're just like going to drunk history. Him, I'm just imagining someone acting out Tyrion leaning into Bronn's ear drunkenly going, just, just kill him. Just kill him. <laughs> Simon's in the background just playing his lute. See, this is a good Patreon tier. We get drunk and recall what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, we, we could, like, pay Assuming pay we read animator. the right chapters. Yeah. Shut up. No, you did a great job. Thanks. You really did. I liked the... Uh, the intro when he's kind of going around and assessing everything. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really described in such rich detail, which yeah. is, I think what we got um, in the two chapters last week when we were with Arya and then at the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just, all the things that you were witness to during the battle of Blackwater. And now here you are sort of seeing the results of that because you really haven't been exposed to it. Mm-hmm. And here's Tyrion, like literally walking through everything yeah. Um, that is the aftermath. And, you know, he comes across 
the three whores, right? And, you know, he, he makes note, oh, we should do something. I don't want kids, like, climbing on it and falling and breaking their heads. And then, like, somebody flings shit at his feet. He's <laughs> like, oh, fuck them all. I don't care. They can yeah. all die. He goes, yeah. I hope they, but, like, burst like melons on this cobblestone. <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, Tyrion's, Tyrion's going through some rough stuff. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's noticeably and understandably frustrated with his lot in life. Like, his father gave him the title of Master of Coin, specifically probably because he now has to clean up everything that's going on with King's Landing. Like Tyrion has to pay. Not only did he not only did he like save their bacon with the chain trick mm-hmm. at Blackwater Bay, but now he's in charge of fixing all of the dumb shit that happened to King's Landing. Like it's just right. like he can't he can't win. His his father gives him hey, no respect. No respect. Well I think because of all the great that he did uh preceding the ba- Battle of Blackwater, I think he should be not surprised that his dad put him up to the task of of cleaning up their money situation. Because if Tyrion, who I respect very greatly, doesn't do it, who the hell is? Who's gonna who's gonna be the other guy that takes that mantle? Are yeah. they gonna put Mace Tyrell up to the job? No. Let's let's not let's not do that. Although Tyrion, you may be a little dismayed at the work that you have to do. Better to be working than not be working, pal. Yeah. And so when he does um, you meet with Simon Silvertongue, do you feel like he's making light of Tyrion's situation? Because he, he calls him the hand a couple of times and Tyrion corrects him. But I, I don't know if it's just more that he feels like he's in control of the situation. I mean, he's got the information about Shay in his back pocket. And as Tyrion recollects, as he is having a bit of internal monologue after the first few exchanges with Simon, he's like, you know, I bet this guy is being kind of edgy to me right now because the last time we saw each other, we didn't have the best words. If you guys remember when we were reading Clash, we didn't have the best words. And I gave him a threat that I never really went through on. So it's now turned into an idle threat. So this guy kind of has the power position because Tyrion has even less power now than he did then. Yeah. yeah. Simon is uh, in a lot of trouble. Simon. Oh, Simon. <laughs> Simon is like stupid too. That's that's what pisses me off. Is Simon thinks he's in this great position to blackmail the Lannisters, like they're gonna give him what he wants. You know, it's it's so stupid. But I I don't know. I just don't. I it it frustrates me. Simon's like, well, he's and he's so like fake modest the whole time too. He's like, well, you know, if I end up singing at the wedding, um gonna be really happy to do that and if i don't well i'm afraid i'm gonna have to sing my new song all over the rest of king's landing at a at wine sinks and everybody's gonna know like Tyrion no, isn't just gonna me. yeah and like Tyrion isn't just gonna be like i'm just gonna kill you i'm just yeah. gonna have Bron <laughs> kill you like i could have pod so kill stupid you. You pod loot, could kill you you're gonna loot you carrying around a loot i thought there's a there's a line in this chapter where he like snaps at Pod and Bronn's like, well, don't bite the boy's head off. Tyrion's like, well, he's not using it, so who cares? I thought that was yeah. a little rough. I'm like, oh, a little rough. Pod. Yeah, don't hate on Pod. Yeah, he's just having a moment of weakness. I think this chapter was described earlier after he said the the the, the bit about the kids falling off the top of the three whores. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, I'm in a dark mood. He yeah, admits he's in, to himself. He's, he's grumpy. He's, he's, like, I'm in he's a, in a dark place. mood. He's Understandably, walking, he's walking around brooding. You know, he's had a rough few weeks, man. He has. He's got. <laughs> he's got to deal with Sansa, and yeah. Sansa is, is dealing with a lot as well. So, so he's sympathetically now that they're married, dealing with what she's dealing with, and he's yeah. dealing with what he's dealing with, and he never gets any respect from dad ever. And he has to do all this, and he just wishes the little finger were here so he could clean up the money situation. 
Um, I mean, there's lots of rebuilding to do. There's lots of things to be fixed. And now Braun is a sir. So again, that's just probably always the source of discomfort for him. He's just like, Braun, man. Braun doesn't care, though. He's all up for it. <laughs> Braun's swishing around in his damn cloak this whole chapter, mm-hmm. just just mining his own beeswax. <laughs> he doesn't give he a really damn is. what's happening. And I think that just, just I remember about three or four paragraphs into this chapter, I was thinking to myself, well done, showrunners, of just understanding the the vein of what the true source of what Bronze character is and really amplifying him for the screen because that's the guy man that's that's how he is mm. that's just he's just this dude and uh he's just an interesting he's character he's a dude to me i want to get into a part of this chapter that has stuck with me because for all of the overt violence and terrible death rape everything else that happens in this these books what tywin lannister does in this chapter has always stuck with me as just like cold shit and that is yeah because what tywin has done in this chapter is melt down ned stark's Mm. sword to forge two new swords for himself and for some reason that just has always seemed like such a slap in the face to the start such a violation It it feels so so much like a violation and i've i've never been able to figure out why like i i I understand it's probably because like they do they do a lot of emphasis on how much ice means to the stark family and to eddard specifically and how rare valyrian steel is and um, definitely and like Mm -hmm. it's just so it's so representative of how tywin feels that he's dealt with the starks it's just like another notch it's like it's just like the reins like the reins are gone, the Starks are just as gone to Tywin. He's like knocking out another family, no problem. <laughs> it was it was very symbolic, particularly of Ned, right? Yeah, and it was it was sort of the last remaining piece of him. I mean, his children still live on, some of them, mm-hmm. uh, but it, I th- ice was just it was Ned's, right? It was that was his sword, and it, it feels like you're killing him all over again by. <sighs> doing what Tywin does uh, in this chapter. And I think, though, that there is some... You feel a little bit better, though, knowing what at least happens with one of the swords, right, with Oathkeeper, that it's given to Brienne to protect the Stark children. So in a way, ice still lives on, but now it's almost like it has its evil twin in in heart eater which we don't really know at least i can't recall what happens to it um beyond um joffrey's wedding so it's it, it is tough like because i remember when uh you know, went to the season premiere and watched this first episode um season four and it was this scene um you know some liberties were obviously taken with with tywin actually being there when it happened but you know, just seeing that this this Valyrian steel reforged and made into two swords, and it's like as a reader, you knew what was happening. I don't know if people were able to pick up on it right away. I can't really remember, um, like how much of the. I don't know if there was any sort of insignia that defined it as being ice the, when the you were watching it being tossed into the fire for me. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I again, I, I don't know how many people picked up on it, but. It was such a powerful opening as a reader to watch that and just to to witness it. And if you caught on to it, obviously, to know what what was happening right there, 
you just you felt like like i said like ned was being killed all over again yeah and to to know that this sword is being melted down at least half of it is going to like the shittiest person yeah. in the most anti-stark person who has caused the death and maiming of so many of this of this clan oh it just it just grinds my gears <laughs> i'm my gears are grinded because he named it such such a bad name hard eater like i know what that's exactly only 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 cunts name their swords yeah exactly i don't know i just feel like Oathkeeper. that's a pretty good name for sword ice damn good name for a sword all right dritz named his swords twinkle and icing death those are equally (laughs) awesome (laughs) names for swords the list goes on of all the ancient slash enchanted swords that are named and of names of which i love but heart eater is among the name among the list of the worst names doesn't he name it something different in the show like widow widow's scream or something yeah heart eater is the 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 sword from widow's whale widow's whale from yeah. the uh, beginning when he oh, was yeah, tossed right. into the river. I mean, honestly, uh, we got... Okay, so so that, that fact was a little bit off for a second. But people listening Long at home... Longclaw, no, that's yeah, another That's name. a great name. People listening home, you can agree with me that Heart Eater was a bad name and it deserved to be tossed into that uh, body of water by Arya. <laughs> Heart Eater sounds like a song by like the Scorpions or something. Yeah, exactly. Like, or, 80s hair which, metal. I love the Scorpions. And if they made a song called Heart Eater, I'd crank that motherfucker oh, up. Oh, hell yeah. But yeah, no, no. Anyway, so enough... Of of the beration there, I, I feel kind of bad uh, <laughs> because we're respecting Nedward Stark. Nedward, he was Tyrion was summoned by Pod to see Tywin and to go see Tywin in the Tower of Hand. The hand he did, and obviously this was happening. And first off, I just want to say that while I am very saddened about the breaking down of ice, and it does bother me. Uh, you gotta, you gotta understand why Tywin did it, man. Like the the Lannisters haven't had Valyrian still in the family for a while. It was just kind of sitting there. You know what I mean? He was just like, uh, well, we really need these swords, and it kind of raised a red flag in my brain to say, you know, how confident do you have to be that that Jamie is coming home that you make him a sword? So you got to kind of question. Because Tyrion knew that shit wasn't for him. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. You got to question where he is. So maybe at this point in, in the story, you can kind of guess maybe he knows that, that Jaime is headed toward Roose Bolton and that, that maybe there's already um, a setup. There's already some kind of um, a deliverance for, for Jaime being headed toward King's Landing. I don't know. I feel like that it's kind of a, a pretty strong vote of confidence that his son will return and creating him a Valyrian steel sword customized yeah. for him yeah that's uh it's very true he doesn't seem to be worried about jamie at all it's just like that's an for inevitability. My son. yeah exactly um so i mean almost certainly when vargo hoke captured them he sent word to bolton bolton sent a raven right. king's landing like all of this is and like i said in the last there's Ty- tywin's great day remember that like mm-hmm. tywin is already he's like six six chapters ahead of us at least he's he knows he's he knows probably where jamie is when he's having that great day he's already figured out like ah, what's gonna happen at the at the twins yeah. so at this point he's just like he's walking around essentially whatever the the closest tywin <laughs> just, lannister gets to like whistling like just buying swords swords yeah stated in this chapter where the steel is coming. No, from, it, right? not explicitly, but it does go into quite a bit. Of, and I, I, I would think that Tyrion would be a little bit brighter than this. Like the only Valyrian sword they've gotten anywhere close to is Ned Stark's great sword. So 
Mm-hmm. Like what he put the pieces together, fella. Uh, you know, he's Tywin has tried to buy Valyrian steel several times from the great houses, but he's always been rebuffed, and it's really rare to find it. And the only other time we've heard anything about Valyrian steel in this whole series is ice, and uh, that used to be Ned's, and then was passed on to the the headsman. And so clearly, to me, it seems deathly obvious that this is where the Valyrian steel has come from. Tywin. Got it for free, actually. You didn't have to pay anything for it. Just the the re the restocking fee, you know. Just get yeah. it, just get it remade. And this is such a contrast too between Tyrion walking the streets of King's Landing, trying to figure out where he's going to get the money to pay for the reconstructive effort. True. And then he walks in, and Tywin's like custom ordering some super expensive swords to give to his grandson and his other son. And he's like, yeah, you find, you find your money for your little construction projects. Like you, I've, you're the master of coin. This is your job. But he's like off spending mad bucks on whatever it costs to forge Valyrian steel swords with like custom red dye in them and shit. Like there's not, there's not a lot of armor smith weapon smiths that can work with that stuff certainly i mean it definitely takes some skill and, yeah. and you know, he's got expensive taste i'm telling you <sighs> he does he's champagne, and, taste. And he's spaying, champagne wishes spaying. Different exotic <laughs> he's spaying. Mm. do you hear what i just said i just said i meant to say spending and i said he's spaying so apparently he's he's, he's rounding up all the cats that's why he needs the sword <laughs> dogs fresh blade for all the spaying uh, that he must do that's what he does instead of whistling he's like a great day i'm gonna make sure that no overpopulation of the cats happens in king's Landing. I love animals. But yeah, he's, he says <laughs> 77 bloody courses, a thousand guests, a pie full of doves, singers, jugglers, and Tywin says extravagance has its uses. You know, talking about demonstrating the power and wealth of Casterly sure, Rock sure. for all the realm to see. But Tyrion makes a great comment. That is my own of the chapter. Just, I know we're still going through it, but it's amazing. If you do shit gold, father, find a privy and get busy. <laughs> <laughs> that's damn good. Oh, that's so wow, good. You couldn't even wait for owns for that. I don't. No, I don't fault you. It's just fair. it applied since yeah. you brought. You were talking about his extravagance. Better get right. busy. Find a privy, man. Right. Find a privy. Get busy. Yeah. I need that on yeah. a, a, a t-shirt. Because we all know he finds a privy later on in this book. That's right. Yeah, well. um, we also find out that the Tyrells have refused the offer to marry Cersei to Willis, and that Tywin is no Willis for you. Yep. No. Yeah. Uh, Tywin's very concerned that and Tyrion just wants to bring it up bad you know you know he's like you know he's gonna hold that It'd just be like I have this nugget like they didn't want her mm-hmm. now we don't know why uh, presumably because he like sniped Sansa out from under them and so now they're just they're just not interested in any further ties Willis is pissed he's like god damn it yeah. Cersei's a little older but by all accounts she's stunningly beautiful she's also evil as hell but who knows how mm. much of that Willis knows uh, and also, she's not super keen on being a broodmare again. That's true. But then, just after this, Pycelle comes in with a bit of news. A bit of ravenly news. He comes in and says that uh, the Lord Commander Mormont is presumed dead. Owen Marsh sends his regards to the Lannisters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, hey, a lot of stuff happened. And we need your help. (laughs) (laughs) Too much to go into. But (laughs) basically, he's like, there are White Walkers. They're real. No, he uh, unfortunately he didn't. He didn't go into detail. Go into detail about no. Probably because it would have come off as super insane, right? And they don't know. He doesn't know exactly. Yeah, Yeah, they don't know what happened. They just like they know they came under attack, 
but so far maybe nobody's made it back from like Sam. We know Sam's still alive. Holland is ass through the woods somewhere, but we you know we we don't know whether he's reached the castle or not. So they get the information that they've got, and then Pycelle and, and Tywin start this complicated ritual of like winking at each other that is like Jano Slint would make a good Lord Commander and Pycelle's like I know what you mean and mm-hmm. Ty- Tywin's like yeah we should tell him that Jano's and Tyrion's like no Jano Slint is the worst we can't that's a terrible idea that's he's he's gross and but Tywin and Pycelle are too busy winking at each other and then writing letters so that's and that's how the chapter ends it also ends with uh Tyrion making a very important point because he thinks back to the fact that, hey, you know, I had a chance to uh, kill Jenna Slint. I had a chance to kill Grandmeister Pycelle, mm-hmm. and I didn't do it. But uh, this guy, Simon Silvertongue, yeah, you know what? I'm going to kill him. Even though, like, he's the, he's, like, the least of Tyrion's worries or problems mm-hmm. at this point. I do feel like it's the one thing that he has control over whether he can kill this dumb singer he's like i've learned my lesson i just need to start killing the people i just need to start killing that's his his whole lesson is like i never kill people i really need to kill people but it's a change in character for Tyrion. it's a massive change in character and it says something that that he's willing to kill somebody who is interfering in his love affair with a whore Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm yeah for i mean and and I think it's important to realize how much he really does care about Shay because, as we've noted, the the book show difference is that in the book she really doesn't give a shit about him. Yeah, and it's clear. You know, it's it's very very evident as we move further in this book, and just to note the the lengths that he's going through for her, and it's evidence in this chapter. You know, that he's willing to go all the way out of his way, right? Yeah. I mean, he's killing somebody, like a singer, yeah. a, a court singer. Like, this guy is not anybody important. At the end but of the day, yeah. why not just let the guy sing? You're married now, you know? Like, right. Who cares if you have a little something-something on the side? It's the, These are the times they live in, right? I mean, I'm not condoning it. Anymore. <laughs> yeah, Mike, wrong. you're going to get angry letters now. <laughs> just tons. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, but I'm saying, like, look at, no, look, at right. all, look at Robert. I mean, Jesus. Yeah, massive, <laughs> well, massive whoring around. But also, I think whore. Tyrion. This is this is the one thing. If you think about it, this is the one thing that Tyrion has that's really just his. Everything else about his life is dictated by other people. He's given a job. He's given a wife. He's given drama. Like his everything that he has to deal with is just heaped onto his plate. But Shay, he picked. Shay was a decision that he made, and for a while, nobody else was really involved in it. Tywin now says he's going to hang her or whatever, but um, I don't know. If, has Tywin made that threat in the book yet? I think he has. Maybe not. Well, I think there, we know that there's there's a serious uh, issue sure. for Tyrion should she be found to be in King's Landing because Tywin gave him specific orders you know, to to stop his right, horn. no more whoring. Whoring, yeah. but so Shay Shay is the one thing that Tyrion has that really feels like his. As pathetic as it is, he he even realizes that in this chapter. Like Shay is really not that upset that he's married, and he's like, I kind of always hoping she'd be upset, but I guess this is all I'm. This is the closest I'm ever going to get to love, and it's so sad. It's so sad, but it's it's what he has, and so 
the fact that he has some small modicum of control over the situation by attempting to silence the singer or kill him or whatever, it's just like that that's the one thing he can control or at least attempt to that like nobody else has control over. It's his problem. And I can see where like he would become really focused on it because this is the second Tyrion chapter where we've heard about his plans for Simon like they matter like any of it matters, but it's it's what he's focused on because it's it's like the one little piece of happiness, shred of happiness that he has in his life. Yeah, I love this. So much important stuff happening in this chapter as far yeah. as lives and decisions and matters of state. And the, there's so much, there's so much, especially uh, considering the stuff with the wall. But it, since we're inside of Tyrion's mind, this is this is projected as important to us and really this is so insignificant mm-hmm. it's ridiculous and mm-hmm. it's it's oh man that's that's interesting i like it let's talk about owns yeah okay yeah, yeah. well that 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 alone owns me i don't want to skip there <laughs> yeah i think i just think that that's cool that's very well done like, very like, interesting yeah. literature hey guys my own for the jamie chapter goes to bruce bolton for having in his employ Good old Meister Quiburn, who is competent enough to deal with all of these uh, severed limbs that Vargo Hoot keeps creating. So, mad props to Roos. Well, I already gave my own for Tyrion. Yeah. So, um, I think my own for Tyrion goes to um, this awesome weaponsmith who, like, this is he's he's saying. He, Tyrion asks this guy, like, how did you make this blade red? That's insane. And the guy's like, okay, I had to do a bunch of stuff and none of it worked. And I know it doesn't, it doesn't look right. But, but like he says, he cast, he worked half a hundred spells and brightened the red time and time again. But always the color would darken as if the blade was drinking the sun from it. Um, mm. And like, I just, I feel like this guy's like, he's doing crazy crazy cool shit with this sword and he's still not there but like he's just like oh if it if it please you i'll try again and Tyrion's like no 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 no, it looks good but this guy this guy must be such a master at his craft to make these gorgeous swords even though you know he melted down ice from it but i give him i give him an own for his first craftsmanship <laughs> mm. i also give my own to him uh I give him an own because he chose my favorite gemstone, which is the garnet. Um, and Tywin snubbed it out quickly. He's like, "No, we need the we need to put the rubies instead." But mm-hmm. I think he should have went with the garnet because yeah. rubies they just don't to me they don't carry the same weight. They don't carry the same globular thickness. The well, same garnets deep lack tones the fire. They, they do sense. not lack the fire. You see, that's where Tywin <laughs> is wrong. So I'm gonna go with you, master swordsmith, uh, talented friend. Of all of those with good mm. taste. I love mm. you. I might have been a little strong, but I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Brienne owns. I guess my own goes to Brienne. <laughs> yes. like the Brienne chapter, everyone? Mm, not yet, Key. <laughs> Spoiler. Mm. What uh, are you guys talking about? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, you were going to give your own to Brienne, it sounded like. I just, I just love her so much. Um, mm. I, but actually, I think my own for the Brienne chapter goes to Jamie mm. <laughs> because um, he, he saved her life, or at least he saved her maidenhood, um, potentially her life, depending on how that situation could have turned. It sounded like she was not going to go easily, so it's highly likely that they would have done some pretty terrible things that may have ended her death. So 
I give my own to Jamie for speaking up and saving that girl. I'm really excited mm. that he did that. Good, Good job, job, Jamie. He spoke up and he was a, a man, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's a man, man. Mm-hmm. Good job, man, man. man Great man. band, man. Great band. Uh, man. Ownage. What you got? I have to give it to uh, Roose Bolton mm. because there was that one quote where it said, like, basically that his silence was more powerful than anything that Fargo Hote was saying. Yeah. Scary. I don't know. People like that, they're just, they're freaky. And just for, <laughs> just for everything that we've already mentioned, the fact that, you know, there's definitely some, some stuff, some shady stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And obviously we're not privy to it yet, but just the cold calculating silence of Roose Bolton. Mm-hmm. Good own. Not bad. Not With bad. a few leeches. Good decision, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like Jamie deserves my own, but it, it's kind of a, a hybrid. I mean, there's lots of really uh, atypical, own-worthy things that happen in this chapter. Um, again, I feel like it, it should be honorably mentioned, or honorably mentioned at least, that Zolo, the fat Dothraki, is fat when we know Dothraki's to be ripped and beautiful. And he has, I don't know, he's picked his teeth with too many horses. So uh, I'm not going to give my own to him, but he he, he definitely has uh, grown larger than most uh, Dothraki I've ever met or have uh, grown to know. But I think that uh, this own will have to go to Kyburn and Jamie for their uh, situation talking about Roos. Kyburn says, a leech, lovely. Or no, uh, uh, Kyburn says, I'll grind some herbs and you can mix with wine to bring down your fever. Come back on the morrow, and I'll put a leech on your eye to drain the bad blood. Like, all right, they've already done the arm situation. He did a great job. Down to business. Jamie's like, oh, a leech, lovely. And he goes, Lord Bolton is very fond of leeches, Kyburn said primly. <laughs> Jamie's just like, yes, he would be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like snark yeah. after snark after getting your arm chopped into. Having now accidentally recorded both this Jamie chapter and the next Jamie chapter, I can safely say, like, even in the worst, direst of situations, Jamie is like 87% snark. He's a snarky fool. Yeah, I know. It's fun. Snarky snarks. It's interesting. Sounds like a Pokemon. Okay, as for Tyrion's chapter, look, guys, Cersei is going crazy. She wants, like, 77 courses and all sorts of crap at the wedding, including seven singers. Now... I don't know what Cersei's screening process is, but my own has to go to these seven singers who are mentioned by name in the book. They are Galleon of Coy, Bethany Fairfingers, Aemon Castain, Alaric of Aeson, Hamish the Harper, Colio Aquinas, and Orland of Old Town. They are all the top of their game singers worthy of the king's own wedding, so... Bless them, uh, own to them uh, for the Tyrion chapter. As always, we got uh, a ton of owns sent in to us uh, in a number of different ways, and we'll check in on all of them. But one that we actually haven't done in a little bit has been email. So uh, if you want to send us a book of your owns for the <laughs> chapters that we read and can't fit into 140 characters or less, uh, you can shoot us an email, contact at gameofowns.com. And one person who frequently does that is our good friend, Nicholas Hartley. Nick Hartley. Uh, who does not so. No, he does not. So the uh, own for his Jamie chapter goes to Roose Bolton. Mm. While he has a few redeeming qualities, he does get the big picture. 
I think for Rob's other bannermen, such as the Karstarks and Umbers, this war was going to be just like Robert's Rebellion. Like his father before him, Rob would call the banners and they would ride south and defeat the enemy on the battlefield and be victorious. That might have been so if Tywin was King Aerys, but he's not. Roose has much more in common with southern counterparts than his no- northern brothers. Mm, mm-hmm. Interesting point. Interesting. And for Tyrion, the own goes to Olena Tyrell. <laughs> there are but a few people in all the Seven Kingdoms that can say they outplayed Tywin Lannister even just once, but she's one of them. While she loves and values her granddaughter, she knows the value of her brother, and thus Highgarden itself is more valuable still. She lost the match of Willis to Sansa, but she will not let Mace be so foolish as to hand the reach over to Lyons. Mm. Mm. Nick Hartley does not so. Sorry, Nick Hartley does not so. Thank you, Nick Hartley. Excellent owns. I always like uh, an Aladdin Tyrell own when she's like, <laughs> she's in the chapter, like not even named, but they're like, ah, you know, Mace's mom told him that yeah. he, he can't marry his son to Cersei. Like, I was like, yes, go Mace's mom. Oh, I don't disagree. We have an email from Nicole. She gives her Nicole. own for Jamie's chapter. My own goes to Roose Bolton. He is so cold and calculating, even his silence is threatening. For, <laughs> for Tyrion's chapter, the pot shop in Flea Bottom. Quote, all kinds of meat in it, I hear. Ew. Bronze yeah. trying to sell them on the bowl of brown. <laughs> in reference to a couple podcasts ago, yes, there are women listeners to this podcast. I've listened to the show from the beginning. I'm excited you've gotten more Bannerman pledging because I have long wanted more book reader discussions, theories, etc. Side note, I miss Selena, but Kate is a delight and her laugh is catchable. Mm. Thanks to uh, Nick and Nicole for the emails. Uh, you guys know each other? Uh, Nick and Nicole, <laughs> they're the same maybe they're person. dating each other. Maybe. Move on. Listen, if you guys aren't dating each other and you guys are single... Get to know each other, all right? <laughs> you both love the podcast, and obviously you both love Game of Thrones, and I think that you both, yes, gave your own to Roose Bolton uh, for Jamie, so I'm just saying. What are the chances? What are the chances? Are the think chances? about it. Uh, maybe you guys can sew. We, we have some... <laughs> oh, my God. We have Sorry. some Facebook owns, don't we, Zachary? We do. We have Let's some owns on Facebook. Uh, here's the first one from Facebook, from Judd Blevins. He says, I'll never get to say it again. Own goes to horse piss. <laughs> Yes. Yes. Pretty good. That is a very good own. If you'd like, you could write that into next week's episode. You can mm-hmm. say it again. Mm-hmm. We're fine with that. Yeah, sure. Uh, Kim Gabrielson says, first own goes to Brienne for propelling purpose back into Jamie's life. Quote, Craven, Jamie thought. Can it be? Very nice. Own two goes to Simon Silvertongue for teaching Tyrion a lesson he will later have use of. Quote, I threatened him, but nothing ever came of the threat. So now he mm-hmm. believes me toothless. That's a good lesson. I believe those sharp bones are from a member of our small council. Jared Kazal says, Jamie gets the own with an assist from Brienne for quickly regaining his sense of humor post-maiming. Whether it was Vargo's lisp or Roos's proclivity for leeches, no target was spared the Kingslayer's caustic wit in this chapter. And his decision to go without anesthetic during what passes for medieval surgery is own-worthy in and of itself. Indeed. Owned a Tyrion for his efficient, if brutal, solution to a misguided blackmail attempt. Simon has stones to threaten a member of the royal family, but turning down money, safety, and a chance to see the world so that he can compete in the Westerosi version of American Idol, he deserves to wind up in someone's bowl. God. <laughs> Jared Kazal. Oh, Jared Kazal. He's so brutally so good. Such brutally good. honest. Yeah. You know, what, what a, he should have just taken the money and went to Essos and like, I know, I know. hopped on a pleasure barge anyway. Ugh. <sighs> Jennifer Bandle says, for Jamie's chapter, I have a tie. 
Brienne calling Jamie Craven when he wants to die. Jamie's shock is priceless. Roose Bolton, though I hate him, I love him ripping Jamie's amputated hand off Jamie's neck and throwing it at Hoat. Also, I think, uh, this is a side note for me, I think we should call him Hoat because that's a pretty cool name. Hoat. The side of it offends me. <laughs> ah. For Tyrion, the description of ice reforged, even though it hurts inside, is so beautiful. I agree. I agree, it was pretty. <laughs> All right. Uh, we also heard from our good friend, Jeff Lightfoot. Oh. Professor Jeff. He writes in and says, with the end of the semester and everyone in my family, <laughs> yeah, he scrawled up on our wall slash write in, uh, with the end of the semester and everyone in my family coming down with grayscale, a.k.a. the flu, I uh, uh, haven't had the chance to read in a while, but I have been listening and love the idea one of you had a few episodes ago of who from the Game of Thrones world you would like to have over for Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner. My early front runners are Torben Giants Payne, <laughs> His nice. giant buddy from the North of the Wall, mm-hmm. yeah. Lady Olena, yes. Missande, mm-hmm. and Cersei. Mm-hmm. While it might be a little unseemly for Lady Olena, I can only imagine how awesome of a conversation her, Tormund, the giant, might have. That's true. I think Olena would love Missande, who can translate anything as needed and enjoy a good holiday meal. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Cersei's utter disgust with it all would give me all I need to be thankful for. <laughs> Looking forward to Christmas break and some catching up on my reading. So thank you, Jeff. Good to hear from you. Thank you, Jeff. Christina Klein posted on Facebook. She says, I was dreaming when I wrote this. Forgive me if it goes astray. In the Jamie chapter, Brienne owns JB when she asks, are you so craven? Which shocks him out of his self-pity party and encourages him to survive while slowly but surely deepening the respect between them. He saves her from rape two pages later. In the Tyrion chapter, Tywin owns Valyrian steel, quote, at long last. He also owns Tyrion several times. Quote, it is meant for my son. Mm-hmm. You seem to have no difficulty betting whores. Is the Stark girl made differently? If you Ouch. cannot pay for them, say so, and I shall find a master of coin who can. Ash. End quote. Father of the year. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I think Tywin even throws out Moonboy as an option, too. Yeah, uh, he does. He's being such a jerk. Christina like went through and picked out some of his zingers. That's good. That's she did. List. Yeah, yeah. I like it. All right. Well, over on Twitter, Ram Dent says, Mott owned that Valyrian still. Hashtag skills. I agree, buddy. Yeah. He also says, owned to Jamie's character development. Now I know how Tyrion has felt all those times they laughed at him. Yeah. You think That's like so us, sweet. man. At Wingnut89 says, same procedure as every time. Tyrion gets my own because he is fucking badass Tyrion. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. I like that. Sebastian didn't read either, clearly. (laughs) No, that's good. That's good. He was the one that threw out the weather a couple episodes ago. Oh, yeah. Good. Was he? I don't know. I I think he was. Might have been Simon Amundsen. Um, The Lady Ash on Twitter says, own to Vargo Hote for developing a name for himself by chopping off hands. Some strive for greatness, some just chop. That's true. And own to Tyrion, he rid himself of Simon, who was fool enough to reveal what he knew to Tyrion. Never show your cards. Mm-hmm. Everybody's learning lessons. That's something to think about. I feel like our listeners are learning with us, too. All right. Simon Amundsen says, Tyrion owns for bringing in more good culinary experiences to King's Landing. Mmm, marinated silver tongue. <laughs> mm, delicious. Gross. Delicious. He also says, own to Jamie for being able to chug his whole drink of piss before vomiting. <laughs> That's true. Hashtag Game of Thrones drinking game. <laughs> ah, let's play at home, kids. <laughs> Send us videos of you not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Speaking of uh, drinking and debauchery and all things related, uh, we got a cool tweet here from our good friend Peter Baelish, mm. who says, 
owns go to myself for, you know, always scheming. <laughs> With and a that, very large smiley face. Yeah, that's a large <laughs> wink, my friend. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Peter Bellish. Bevan Boychuk on Twitter says, here is a pie for Theon Greyjoy. Um, and it is a picture of a Cthulhu pie, I think, but it's like squid-like, you know? And the, mm-hmm. the uh, caption says, is that a new pie? No, it's an old one. It's <laughs> a little, little love I think that was humor. specifically for Eric. Yeah, that was, that was at Eric. But Eric's not here, is he? Nope. Yeah. So we'll eat it ourselves. I'll eat that whole pie. Eric, for not the fishwife, is gone for this evening. Hopefully back but next he week. Will appreciate Greyjoy humor for our, our Christmas he will. celebrations, our our holiday situations. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I'm I'm happy that it's December, and it's kind of crazy that Christmas is so close by. And Micah has already begun celebrating Hanukkah. 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 I have. He already had his his ceremonial latka and made me ceremonially jealous. Do you drink Heineken? Do you like it? I don't think Heineken goes with it. But, uh, not with Hanukkah. No. Nope. Not with Hanukkah. <laughs> no. Nope. That's a different holiday. Yeah. Definitely not with Hanukkah. But happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Same to all of everybody you. Everybody out there. Yeah. Your Christmas ka. Christmas Hanukkah Kwanzaa. Visit. Enjoy your solstice. And, <laughs> yes. Um, Coming up soon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, in Australia, I hope you're enjoying your summer weather. Yeah. Enjoy that. Enjoy that weather. All of the ways that uh, you heard us read from just before, you can contact us in pretty much any way imaginable um, over the internet, email, Twitter, Facebook. It's all pretty straightforward. Any way imaginable Except the for internet. the email. The email is contact at gameofowns.com, mm-hmm. but everything else is just at gameofowns, mm-hmm. backslash gameofowns. We were pretty inventive when we came up with that stuff. So yeah. uh, leave some of your comments on uh, Watchers on the Wall. Uh, we do read those every once in a while. Kate, we, yeah. we actually said uh, last week you weren't able to be on the show because you were responding to the uh, thread <laughs> from the pre- previous episode. I'll need to be just making comments on this thread. No, it was a good discussion. We had a, we had a really nice discussion. Yeah, about yeah. I saw it's that. A, a fun time for us in the show right now. We get to be, I feel like just extending, we're always grateful and thankful for our lives in general, but extending from uh, Thanksgiving until now or until you know the, the season of the holiday approaching it's just a, a really great occasion to kind of always think about those things so uh, yeah thanks yeah. everybody for being here next us. week we'll be reading Samwell and Aria are you sure Kate yes <laughs> and, in th- and in three weeks we'll be reading the chapters that I read this week oh yeah I meant ah. to give an honorary own for the Tyrion chapter to Ober and it's gonna be really funny but I forgot to honorary own too oh. Oberyn Martell for the Tyrion chapter that I read that was not the Tyrion chapter that I was supposed to read. So make sure you warm your cocoa near the fire. That's what it's supposed to be. And love everyone. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Everyone. Poetry. Still rhyming. And read the right chapters for next week. God damn it. Good night, everyone. might have just been foreign anyway let's continue facebook (laughs) (laughs) all right he's throwing down